So when I saw the selection of passages for today, I thought I should preach on Herod. But I've had enough of Herod. And so, and so we're going to use the uh, lesson from Ephesians chapter 3 this evening. Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read, that, read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in the generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. We'll save the rest. Can I tell you a story? I, you know, I, I realize what, the story I'm about to tell, it's going to come across as bragging. It's not intended to, but I have to tell you, I, I told you last week, I thanked you actually for letting us have some time away. It was the Christmas was the, this Christmas was the first time in eight years that we'd actually spent with family. And, and Christmas Eve, I had the coolest Christmas Eve I've ever had in my life. We were in Florida. It happens that my brother-in-law owns an ocean-going fishing boat. And it happens that my in-laws go to a Presbyterian church in the historic part of St. Augustine. And we got on this boat and took a 30-mile boat ride up the intercoastal waterway to a Christmas Eve service and then rode back. And it was totally awesome. Uh, St. Augustine is one of my favorite little towns in in the country. I just love it. Uh, And it was beautiful. One thing we did not factor into our trip was that we would be coming back in the dark. And my brother-in-law is a, is a licensed sea captain. He's very talented, but he's, when he has piloted in the dark, it has always been on the open ocean or a lake where you're not going to hit anything. And so we're in the intercoastal waterway, which is essentially this river that runs between, you've got like the ocean, then this strip of land, then this river, and then the rest of the, the shore. And it's been dredged out, and there's a channel And when you're cruising in the channel, you have buoys on either side. You have a green buoy on the right and a red buoy on the left. And you have to, as Alan Jackson says, you got to keep it between the buoys. Because if you don't keep it between the buoys, you will hit a a oyster bar or a sandbar. You will completely wreck your boat, and it's a disaster. Uh, And so we're doing this at night on a humid Christmas Eve. It was beautiful weather, but it's just Florida, and it's wet, and there's mist everywhere, and we can't see out the window. And the next thing you know... Half of us are hanging off the sides of the boat, calling out where the buoys are. Now, we have a radar and the radar and, and a GPS. So we've got good tech, and it's telling us where the buoys are supposed to be. And so all along this trip, we have these little signposts that are telling us where the pathway is, where it's going to take us. The problem is, it's not really clear as you're going through it until you pass it. You, you come to the buoy and it's like, oh, as we're passing it, someone shouts in the dark, there's the red buoy, right? A little late uh, if we missed it. Uh, but so you're on this pathway that you have only the vaguest notion of where you're going. And you normally don't really see what you need to see until it's already past you. Uh, so this trip is a bit like the mystery that I think we see in Scripture, that there is this plan of salvation where there are, there are markers and warnings and buoys all throughout the Old Testament that tell us something big is going to happen. There's Jesus, or excuse me, uh, Abraham is going to be used to bless the Gentiles. One day all the nations are going to come to the Mount Zion and worship God. But nobody has any idea how all of this is actually going to happen. Uh, 
Uh, in fact, when Jesus shows up, everyone you know is very confused about what is going on until after the resurrection and all of a sudden someone shouts, oh, there was the buoy. <laughs> it just went past us. Now we understand what we are supposed to do. And so tonight I want to unpack Ephesians chapter 3 just a little bit as we talk about um, uh, the gospel. Specifically, I want to talk about the mystery of the gospel, and I want to talk about the location of the gospel. I mean, this is Grace Anglican Church. We talk about two things, gospel and grace, and they're basically the same. So why change tonight? We're going to talk about the mystery of the gospel and the location of the gospel. Uh, Paul lets us know pretty clearly that he has been called to a very uh, specific sort of calling. Uh, it's very precise, it's very special, and that he claims he has had a very special insight into what is going on because he received on the road to Damascus a vision of the risen Lord and his calling, as we, we talked about this in our study of Galatians, his calling to the ministry was different than the other apostles. And he claims a particular insight, and he also claims a particular role in reaching the Gentiles for the gospel. And at this moment when he's writing this letter, he is likely a prisoner. And so he starts with, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. And then he launches into this like two-paragraph digression, comes back to the end of verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So he launches into this digression to encourage them uh, as they listen to him preach. Uh, there's a lot in this passage, but as we talk about the mystery of the gospel, I want first to, us to note that the grace of God is the mission. Okay, verse 2, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Uh, Paul's been given a very specific mission, a stewardship of this message of God's grace that was given to him on behalf of the Gentiles. We see hints of this in, in other parts of Paul's writing. He says in Galatians 3, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. There we see Paul using this insight, this gift and this calling that he's had to explain to the Galatian uh, readers that this gospel of grace that has been given to him was actually something that was hinted at in a signpost back all the way back in Abraham. When, when God tells Abraham uh, that he's been blessed by faith, it's an indicator that there's something else coming beyond the law. It isn't just about the law. Uh, he also says then... Um, uh, a little later on, he, he goes on to say that in Colossians chapter 1, that uh, speaking of himself, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Paul takes this mission very seriously, his stewardship of this message. And so grace is Paul's mission. Grace is also Paul's message. He's telling these Gentile believers that once they were like people flying on an airplane, 
uh, flying through the clouds. And as they moved in and out among the clouds, they could see down below them that there was this whole landscape. But it was obscured by the clouds. And they couldn't see it clearly. So when you're flying on an airplane, you know that there's something down there. Somewhere there's land, somewhere there's water, somewhere there's a runway, somewhere is home. But right now I can't see it clearly. What Paul is telling the Ephesians and the Galatians and the Colossians is that these clouds have been blown away. That the buoys are now very clear. The pathway to salvation has been revealed to all men. And this was the mystery that was never known before. Grace was the mission and God's grace is the message. That it isn't, salvation is not to be forever by following the law. But it has been fulfilled in Christ. And salvation is now by putting your faith in Christ. And we say, as we pass the resurrection in a few months, we say, oh, there's the buoy that tells us where the boundaries are. Now we know. And we turn to Christ. And so grace is his mission and grace is his message. But we also see um, a hint in here, perhaps, a guidance for us as we talk about our own ministry as a church. You know, our church is, is growing uh, we, we're making plans for the future. Uh, we've introduced a few new committees. We're trying to get a few new ministries started. We're trying to do some new things uh, in recognition of the fact that we're a growing and changing church. But one thing that must never change for us is the core of the mission, which is the gospel. There was once a German soldier uh, who was wounded in battle. He was ordered to go to the military hospital for treatment. When he arrived at the large, imposing building, he saw two doors, one marked for the slightly wounded and the other for the seriously wounded. He entered through the first door and found himself going down a long hall. At the end of it were two more doors, one marked for officers and the other for non-officers. He entered through the latter and found himself going down another long hall. At the end of it were two more doors, one marked for party members and the other for non-party members. He took the second door and when he opened it, he found himself out on the street. And when the soldier returned home, he at, his mother asked him, How did you get along at the hospital? Well, mother, he replied, to tell the truth, the people there didn't do anything for me. But you ought to see the tremendous organization they have. <laughs> as, we, as we think about our own future, as we think about who we want to be as a church, we need to always remember that everything we do is to facilitate the preaching of Jesus Christ. And if it's not doing that, it isn't worth doing. And so Paul is dedicated to this mission, and he's dedicated to this message. And in that, I think, is a, is a lesson for us. Verses 7 and 8 give us another indication of Paul's mystery. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me, Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. 
Not only is grace the mission, not only is grace the message, but grace is also the means. <laughs> Notice what Paul says in verse 7 and 8. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. <laughs> I know it's become cliche, but all really is grace. The message is grace, the mission is grace, and the means to accomplish is the grace of God. The light has been turned on. The clouds have been blown away. The buoys are clearly marked. Jesus Christ has come. We know what we are to do. We know for whom we are to do it. And we now know how to do it. Put our faith and trust in him. Knowing that he is going to guide us in our personal lives. He's going to guide us as a church. And we can rest in knowing that in this mission we call church work, that Jesus and his grace is the engine that drives the car. We can have a lot of really cool accoutrements in the car. We rented a van on our way back from Florida. Maybe you've heard the story. We took a low-budget airline on the floor. I call it the Greyhound of the Sky. It packs bodies on, it moves them through the air at 300 miles an hour, and gets them to a destination. Well, they let us down coming back, and they canceled our flight due to weather. I don't know. It was perfectly sunny. We rented a van. We rented this van and had a 15-hour test drive in a Chrysler Town & Country. Uh, what I know about the Chrysler Town & Country is it has like 37 cup holders. Uh, it, it, has, it had like a touch screen. I mean, it was nice. It had leather seats. It had power. It had doors that opened and closed by themselves. No wonder children are weak now, right? <laughs> like, it, it had everything. But if it didn't have an engine, it was just a piece of metal that did a few cool things. The engine is what got us here, and all the rest of the things work together to accomplish that goal. Um, grace is the engine that makes it all work. And if we ever exchange that for something else, the mission stops moving forward. Now, a little bit about the location of the gospel. We've talked a bit about the mystery of the gospel, how it's been revealed. But now, where has it been revealed? It seems to me that uh, oftentimes, Christians, we really struggle with this gospel revelation of Jesus Christ. Like, I know so many Christians that are just afraid to just say unequivocally that they are saved by grace alone through faith alone. They're just afraid to say that. And so we begin looking in other places for the key and the meaning to life. And normally those answers come back sort of silly. Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr., he was a doctor. Uh, as such, he was very interested in the use of ether. In order to know how his patients felt under its influence, he once had a dose administered to himself. As he was going under in a dreamy state, a profound thought came to him. He believed that he had suddenly grasped the key to all the mysteries of the universe. When he regained consciousness, however, he was unable to remember what the insight was. That happens to me every time I prepare a sermon. <laughs> because of the great importance, this thought would be to mankind, Holmes arranged to have himself given ether again. This time he had a stenographer present to take down the great thought. The ether was administered, and sure enough, just before passing out, the insight reappeared. He mumbled the words, the stenographer took them down, and he went to sleep confident in the knowledge that he had succeeded. Upon awakening, he turned eagerly to the stenographer and asked her to read what he had uttered. 
This is what she said. The entire universe is permeated with a strong odor of turpentine. (laughs) That was his great insight. We're not going to come up with any other insights. We're not going to come up with any other thing that makes the fog clear any better. Jesus has been presented. The clouds have been rolled away. The lights have been turned on. The pathway has been marked. There is nothing else but Jesus Christ. And most of our attempts to add to this message end up taking us to really silly places and doing really destructive things. The answer is always Jesus Christ. And so salvation is found in Jesus Christ. But salvation is also no longer limited to a place or a people. Fritz Kreisler, the world-famous violinist, earned a fortune with his concerts and compositions. But he generously gave most of it away. So when he discovered an exquisite violin on one of his trips, he wasn't able to buy it. Later, having raised enough money to meet the asking price, he returned to the seller hoping to purchase the beautiful instrument. But to his great dismay, it had sold to a collector. Chrysler made his way to the new owner's home and offered to buy the violin. The collector said it had become his prized possession and he would not sell it. Keenly disappointed, Chrysler was about to leave when he had an an idea. Could I play the instrument once more before it is consigned to silence? He asked. Permission was granted and the great virtuoso filled the room with such heart-moving music that the collector's emotions were deeply stirred. I have no right to keep that to myself, he exclaimed. It's yours, Mr. Chrysler. Take it into the world and let people hear it. Once upon a time, salvation was limited to a place. And it was limited to a people. And it was guarded. And there were lots of laws around it. And there were walls around it. And there was a heavy curtain around the presence of God. And you couldn't go there. And it was walled off from people like you and me. Gentiles, people on the outside. And then Jesus came and somebody played the violin. And somebody turned that music loose. And it was Jesus. He turned it loose. And it's a song that keeps reverberating through the ages. That the gospel's now been made clear to everyone. And it is a beautiful song. And it's the only song that we need to sing. And it's the only song that we need to preach. And it's the only song that we need to live by. It's the only one. And so I want to encourage you tonight as we close to remember that when you happen to be piloting a boat at night in the dark, that sometimes you have no idea where you're going. And sometimes the buoys are passing you by and it's, you've passed them before you even knew they were there. And when that is the state you find yourself in, look to Christ. He has marked out the way. He has cleared the path. He's blown away the clouds. And he is the center of of all of it. Father, we ask that you would open up our hearts.